Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today we're going to cover our third and final message um, from the three-part series of how to stop failing and live a blessed life. And today we're going to be looking at King David's commissioning of his son Solomon, where he gave him all kinds of tips and tricks for how to not fail and to live a blessed life. I'm super excited for you to listen in. So listen and be blessed. Is how can we stop failing and start living a blessed life? Can I tell you something? You can stop failing. Did you know that? The first, the first way to stop failing is to believe that you can stop failing. In fact, everybody say, I can stop failing. You got to confess it. <laughs> you got to declare it, man. You can stop failing with God's help. And the other thing is, you can live a blessed life. You can live a blessed life, and God wants you to live a blessed life. And you say, well, Steve, that's not been my experience. My experience is my life has been fairly miserable, and I haven't lived a blessed life. And oh, by the way, I have been a Christian this whole time. What's going on? Well, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to live a blessed life. You have to live by the principles set forth in the Bible, and you can stop failing, and you can live a blessed life. So you have to believe that. That's the first step to anything. Before you can do anything, you got to believe you can do it with God's help. If I, if I was 18, 17 years old, and I was looking at college and thinking, I can't go to college. I'm not smart enough. Guess what? I probably wouldn't go to college because I felt like I wasn't smart enough. Before you do anything, you got to believe you can do it. You got to believe that you can do it. So we've been in Joshua chapter one. Now we're moving to First Chronicles 22, and we're going to study the whole chapter of First Chronicles 22, verse by verse. One of my favorite ways of talking about the Bible, of giving a message, is verse by verse. And let me give you just a little bit of back of a context or backdrop to this is. This is when King David, the king of Israel, was, was commissioning his son Solomon to build the temple. That's what this chapter is about, okay? And so we're going to go. You can open up your Bibles. You can follow along the screen. Either way is fine. But we're going to go through 1 Chronicles 22 starting now. Then David said, the house of the Lord God is to be here. And also the altar of burning offerings for Israel. You know what? You've got to decide if you're going to allow God to be in your life or not. You've got to decide. David said, the house of the Lord is going to be built here. He had the place. He knew exactly where it was going to be. And the temple was a place where the Holy Spirit of God was to abide. The presence of God was to abide. The Bible says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's time for you to say, you know what? The temple of, the, of, the temple of God is going to be here. And until you do that, you're going to continue to find yourself failing and tripping and falling off the horse over and over again. But when you, get, you make up your mind, you say, I'm going to serve the Lord. 
the house of the Lord is going to be here. I'm the temple of the Lord, and God is going to use me, and I'm going to make myself available. You're going to stop, you're going to stop failing so much. You're finally going to be strong. See, anybody that walks on the fence is going to hurt themselves severely. <laughs> they're going to fall off one way or the other, or they're going to fall on the fence itself, and that's not a pretty sight either. God wants you to stop being a lukewarm Christian. He wants you to be a passionate, on-fire Christian. He wants you to be serious about God. And when, I'm going to ask you right now, when are you going to make up your mind? When are you going to make up your mind? When are you going to do what you need to do? Make up your mind today, and you're going to live a mightily blessed life, and you're going to stop failing. Verse 2 of 1 Chronicles 22. So David gave orders to assemble, listen to this, the foreigners residing in Israel, the, the people that weren't Israelites. It's like the people that are not Americans. All right? He assembled all the foreigners of Israel, and from among them he appointed stone cutters to prepare dressed stones for the building of the house of God. Now, as I mentioned, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible says that each of us is like a stone, a holy stone, that God is putting us together and fitting us together to build up a holy temple, a spiritual temple, not a visible temple, but a spiritual temple where God will be worshipped. Now, can you imagine if, if I, as a rock, as I stone, decided, I don't want to be here, God. I want to go to another church. And then three months later, I say, you know what, I don't like that church either. And so I go and I move to another church. And before you know it, after two or three years, I've been to five or ten different churches, and I can't make up my flaky mind what I'm going to do. Can God use stones that are moving all the time? No. God is looking for faithfulness in your life. He's looking for you to make up your mind who you're going to serve and stick with it through thick or thin. You know what one of the saddest things is about human beings, but Christians in particular, is we can't seem to keep our word. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do what you said you were going to do. You need to make up your mind and you say, yeah, I'm going to make a commitment. I teach this at work. Taught it for years. People say, oh, well, I forgot. And I tell them, that's not a good enough excuse. Seriously, I tell them just like that. It's not good enough, good, en good enough excuse. You know what you need? You need a to-do list. And every time you write, you, you make a commitment, you write it down, and you say when you, when you committed to do it, and you don't forget your commitments. I'll tell you what, if there's anything that I wish our church was 100% in, and we're pretty good, it's faithfulness. Keeping your word sticking to what you've committed to do and going all the way with it. So, a little bit of a rabbit's trail, but we're stones. We can't be moving around. In 1 Peter 2.5, it says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. God is building us into a spiritual house. And God is preparing you, all right? He's molding you. He's making you. But here it says he's also cutting you to fit perfectly into the kingdom of heaven. He's, he's cutting you. He's making you. And I find it interesting to hear that foreigners were the ones that cut the stone, preparing it to, be, to, to, to build a temple. 
Can I tell you something? God uses foreigners in your life to mold you. He uses people that gets on your nerves. I had this lady at work that got on my nerves so bad, I, I likened her to sandpaper. Every time I thought of her, it felt like sandpaper on me and an open wound just scrubbing me and, and making me bleed. And finally I learned, you know what? God is using that woman to make me a better person. <laughs> he was teaching me something. And I'll never forget once uh, I, I got this wonderful promotion at work and I had two millennials reporting to me, two millennials, quite a bit younger than me. And you know what? God showed me that he was using these two people that reported me to mold me and make me. It was crazy. For three years, we struggled, I struggled, they struggled. But you know what? God used that experience to mold me and make me. And God's got people in your life, foreigners, if you will, that he's using to make you and mold you. So stop trying to push them off and wish they would go away. God is using people to make you into the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. He's chipping away the edges. He's molding you and he's fashioning you. Let's read on. And this is all about <laughs> not failing. If you will allow God to work in your life, you will stop failing and you will live a blessed life. So realize that God uses every tool in his arsenal to make you into the image of Jesus Christ. He's using experiences, bad things, good things, the word of God, church. He's using everything. Let's read on. Verse 3. He provided, David provided, a large amount of iron to make nails for the doors of the, of the temple and the gateways and, and, and for the fittings and more bronze than, than could be weighed. Now look at this. David was into the details. He was thinking about the nails, not just the walls, not just the foundation. He was thinking about the nails that it would take to build the temple. He was getting every little detail necessary and ready. David considered the details. And let me tell you what, God is a God of details. He is interested in every minute aspect of your life, and you should be as well. Every, every aspect. I had a friend of mine that said he's a kind of a brusque, abrasive type of person, and he told God once as he was praying, he said, well, God, that's just my personality. And you know what the Lord told him? Well, your personality is sinful. <laughs> and that's, that goes for all of us. Our personalities, the details of our lives are sinful, and God wants to fix us. He wants to perfect us. He wants to make us holy. And so God is a God of details, and he's interested in every detail of your life. Often, what we think is not important, God thinks is very important. And many times, the things that, the things that we think are super important, God says, it's not that important. Don't worry about it. Stop thinking about that so much. So blessings, look at this. Blessings come when you focus on the details God is interested in. Man, let that one sink in. You're going to be blessed in your life when you start focusing on the details God is interested in. Let's read on. Verse 4. David also provided more cedar logs for this temple than could be counted for the Sidonians and the Tyrians had brought large numbers of them to David. It was brought to David, all this cedar and lumber and whatever he needed to build the temple. 
It was brought to him. He didn't go out and make it happen. The Lord brought it to him. He brought him what he needed. When you and I work in our own strength and we stress out and we strive to make things happen, we're not going to have any success in life. We're going to be tired. We're probably going to get burned out. And that's why in Psalms 46.10 it says, Stop striving. Stop working in your own strength and know that I am God. Does that mean that we don't have to put forth any effort and we can be lazy? No. But don't do it in your own strength. God has strength stored up from you and you access God's strength. The Bible says, be strong in the power, in the strength of his might. Be strong in his might. Access God's power. Don't be a control freak. If you go and try to manipulate people, it will never work out well for you. Let God do the heavy lifting for you. So David said, about his son Solomon. He said, my son Solomon is young and experienced and the house to be built, that's the temple, is to be built for the Lord. And it will be great, it will be magnificent, the fame and the splendor of God in the sight of all nations. All right? To be blessed and to stop failing, you have to establish who you're doing what for. Who? Are you working for? It says here that he was building the temple for the Lord. Do you work for yourself? Do you work for your boss? Or do you work for Jesus? I can't tell you how many times when I'm, I'd be working at 9, at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, thinking nobody knows what I'm doing. This is a thankless job. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to recognize what I'm doing and then I would remind myself, I'm doing this for Jesus. God is my boss. And everything I do, I do for him. I'll never forget another time I was typing on my computer. It was kind of a boring day, kind of dull day. I was typing and working. And I was just, I thought to myself, I'm typing for Jesus. I'm writing this email for Jesus. I'm doing this for the Lord. And it gives you hope whenever you start thinking, I'm doing it for God and not for myself. And David said, we're building this temple for God, not for our own glory. Do things not for other people, to, to be noticed by other people. Do things so that God will notice you. That's going to bring you huge blessing in your life because you'll be doing things for the right reasons. Therefore, David said, I will make preparations for it. In other words, for the temple. So David made extensive preparations before his death. And I want to give you three key words here. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Always be preparing. The person that stops preparing is the person that's already dying. All right? God is sending you an open door He's sending you an opportunity. It could be in your career. It could be the love of your life that's about to show up. It could be financial. It could be healing. I don't know, but God is sending an opportunity to you. And if you've been sitting around not preparing for it, you could miss your opportunity. Literally, the door could be open wide and you're still two miles down the road. And by the time you get there, the opportunity is done. It's closed. You've lost your opportunity. David knew this, and in order to be blessed in your life, you always are preparing. Prepare yourself spiritually. 
Prepare yourself physically. Work out, exercise, eat well, do what you need to do. Prepare your children, prepare your grandchildren. Prepare yourself in every way imaginable. God expects you to be preparing because here's how God works. This is what I've learned. God works in waves. He sends waves of blessing, almost like a, you know, the person that's trying to surf waves. But in between those waves, you know what you need to be doing? You need to be waxing your surfboard. You need to be taking a little bit of, of a breather. You need to be working out and getting ready for the next wave that God sends in your life. Never stop preparing. Always be getting yourself ready. It says in verse 6, Then he called his son Solomon. So here's David kind of talking to himself, I guess, thinking to himself. He goes ahead and calls his young son, his young son Solomon, and he charges him to build the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. You know, you have a meaningful call in your life. Brother Jimmy and I went to the, uh, to the assisted living home where Sister Doris is there. And, and uh, you know, I, those, some of those folks think that their lives are over. They're, they're in the 80s, maybe older. And they think their life is older is over. Your life is not over until it's over. You've got a purpose in your life and you need to find out what that purpose is. You need to find out what your destiny is and you need to fulfill it starting today. See, David got his son and said, all right, you've got a purpose in your life and your purpose is you got to build that temple. All right. He charged him. He challenged him. And God's challenging you right now. Stop living for yourself and pursue the call of God in your life. Does it always necessarily have to be a pastor, a missionary, a, an evangelist, or something in the church? No. There's people that are not called to that. I wasn't called to that for many years until in my 40s. Can you believe in my late 40s, I felt the Lord telling me, you're in pastor now. <laughs> oh, yeah, Captain. <laughs> we'll do it. It was a struggle. I didn't want to do it at first. But you know what? God has a call for your life. Some folks are called to be polit godly politicians, godly attorneys, godly engineers, godly teachers, godly parents. Find out what God has called you to do and go for it with all your heart. God is challenging you. Follow his call, not your own call. And be working. He's, he's called you. Be working on your destiny. Start on it. Invest in your own destiny. But let's read on in verse 7. David said to Solomon, My son, I had it in my heart to build the house for the name of the Lord my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You've shed too much blood, David. <laughs> You've fought too many war wars. You are not to build a house for my name because you have shed too much blood on earth in my sight. But you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon, and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. And I got so much from this. This very week, this blessed me so much. But success and blessing will come to you when you learn to rest in the Lord. When you say, God, I'm going to trust you, and therefore I'm going to rest in you. And when stress starts coming over you and burying you and you're worried out of your mind, God's, picture this, God's got this big old fluffy 
mattress, nice comforter on it, fluffy pillows, and he says, I want you just to lay down here and just rest. I've got you covered. And you know what I've done in the past when God makes that invitation? I say, no, God, I've got, I've got to keep my eye on the problem. I've got to keep my eye on the ball. And God says, no, I've got my eye on the ball. You lay down and you rest. And as recently as this week, I was stressed out about something. And all of a sudden, God reminded me of this that I'd read and I'm preparing. And I just took a deep breath and I just rested. And all that worry and anxiety just melted right off of me. You see, if we're going to be successful in life, we've got to rest in the Lord and let him get out in front of us and take care of our problems for us. He says, if, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to me and learn from me and I will give you rest. He'll take the burden off your shoulders, off your emotions, and you can rest and trust in him. I tell you what, if we work and we fight in our own strength, it eventually leads to failure. And I love Shark Tank. I like watching Mark Cuban and all these guys, man. But, you know, here Mark Cuban, this billionaire, notorious billionaire, used to say business is like a sport, man. It's, it's uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And you know what? That guy has changed his tune lately. <laughs> and he's learning that you can't be on all the time. Even a human being successful like him has learned that you have to rest. But we as Christians, we need to rest in the Lord, trust in the Lord. Verse 10, he is the one who will build a house. Solomon, he is the one that's going to build a house for my name. He will be my son. God is saying this. Your son, David, is going to be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. And look at this. I'm going to throw it up on the screen here right now. Relationship, not religion, is where you're going to find blessing. Relationship with Jesus, relationship with his spirit on a daily basis, that's where you're going to find blessing. If you are a religious person, then you came this morning simply to check the box off. I went to church. Well, good for you. You're not going to get a whole lot of blessing because you gotten all the blessing you're going to get, a, a box that's checked off. But if you came this morning because you want to know more about Jesus and you're tired of your old way of life and you want something fresh and wonderful from the Lord, you're in relationship with him and you are going to be blessed by him. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Are you diligently seeking the Lord? Are you seeking his favor, seeking his face, seeking to get close to God? I hope you are. Don't be religious. Have relationship with Jesus. I had a boss that used to tell me, he was all, all philosophical. He said, religion's a good thing, Steve. He wasn't a Christian. He said, religion's a good thing. He said, it does a lot of good things for people. And I think, are you out of your mind? Religion kills people. Literally, there's wars that are religious in nature. There's, there's, you, you go to parts of India where Hinduism is practiced and these poor little kids are abused, sacrificed in some cases. That's bad. I don't want religion. I want relationship with Jesus. That's what I want. Let's read on. Now, verse 11. Now, my son, the Lord be with you. Here's David talking to, to Solomon. The Lord be with you. He's your father and you're his son. 
The Lord be with you. And may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God. That's your calling. That's your destiny. As he said you would. Now, I looked at this this week as I was just meditating and enjoying this for my own devotions. And I found four ingredients to living a blessed life in this verse. All crammed together. All packed together. Let's see if you can see it with me. All right. The first thing is the Lord be with you. You want a blessed life? Here's how it's going to work out. You're going to start acknowledging God is with me. You go to coffee, take a little coffee break. As you walk, you realize God is with me. You go and have a doctor's visit. You sit down in the doctor's office and you take a deep sigh of relief. You say, God is with me. You get on that airplane to go somewhere. You, you think to yourself, God is with me. You wake up in the morning, you say, God is with me. You start thinking this way and recognizing the presence of God in your life, you are going to have a very blessed life. The presence of God is what brings blessing, in fact, to our lives. But the second one, uh, David says, may you have success. <laughs> I like this. May you have success. Now, I know I can, you can go overboard on this teaching, but I believe it with all my heart. You need to start telling yourself, you know, with God's help and because God's with me, I am going to be a success in life. I'm not going to be a failure. I'm not going to be a loser. And again, you can say, well, that's not been my experience. Guess what? Your experience needs to change and line up with the word of God. Don't let your past dictate your future. All right? If your past has been bad, stop thinking about it and start looking forward to your brighter future in Jesus and tell yourself, because Jesus is with me, I'm going to be a success. You say, well, Steve, where's that in the Bible? Well, it's right here in this one verse. But another place that you can find it, I think it's in Romans 8. It says, you know, if God be for us, who can be against us? And what I get from that scripture is God is for me if I'm for God. <laughs> He's for me. He's with you. He wants you to succeed. So you need to start telling yourself that with God's help and because of his presence, I am going to be a success in this life, a spiritual success. Am I telling you you're going to be a millionaire? No, that's not success. That's not success at all. I'm talking about a spiritual success, a, a marital success, a parental success, physical success, all the good things in life. But the fourth ingredient that I see here of living a blessed life is uh, David commissions his son to build a house. In other words, do what you're called to do and stop dabbling in things that you're not called to do. And we talked about that last Sunday. All right? Focus in on what God created you to do. And just do that really, really well and blow off everything else. And number four, it says here in, in verse 11, it says, um, Everything that he, has, he said he would. In other words, the promises of God. And I tell, I repeat the promises of God in my mind, and I'm now I'm starting to speak them out loud all the time because the Bible tells me to do that. You've got to know God's promises about your life. God's promises are uh, to, to, to prosper you if you're obedient. It's not going to just be anybody. You obey the Lord. The promises are that you'll be the head and not the tail. Your enemies will come at you from one direction and break out in seven directions from you. There's promises 
after promise after promise in the Bible. Know your promises. Declare them. Believe them and receive them. These are four ingredients to living a blessed life. Let's read on in verse 12. Don't worry, we're not too far from being done. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding, Solomon, when he puts you in command over Israel so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees of the Lord your God uh, that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do you remember that from Joshua 1? Now he's telling Solomon the same thing. Don't be afraid. Kick fear in the face. Don't be discouraged. It's the same message, and I'm not going to beat it up because we already talked about it through Joshua, but isn't it interesting that the same message is given to Solomon that was given to Joshua? That means God's trying to tell you the same thing as well. Receive the word of God, the message of God into your life and say, that's for me. That's for me. I'm not going to, I don't want other, just uh, everybody else to live a charmed, best, blessed life. I want a blessed life. It's for you if you'll believe it. It's for you if you'll obey God, if you'll follow God. Oh man, God's blessings are going to be poured out in your life. God wants to bless you. But let's read on in verse 14. I have taken, this is David, listen to this, this is so funny. I, Solomon, I've taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord. A hundred thousand talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze and iron too great to be weighed, and wood and stone. Look, he's telling, look, dude, I have poured my heart and soul into this. Are you going to? And that's what Jesus did at the cross. He poured his life out for you. When are you going to buck up and say, I'm going to pour my life into what Jesus has called me to do as well? It's the least I can do. His life for mine, now my life for his. I'm going to get serious with Jesus because he's gotten serious with me. You have a calling. So take great pains to provide for your own calling. If it takes money, do it. If it takes effort, do it. If it takes time and learning, do it. If it takes sacrifice and sowing into your own calling, do it for crying out loud and leave everything else aside because it's just noise. It's a waste of time. Do what God has called you to do. Take great pains to fulfill God's calling in your life. David goes on, and you can add to what I've given you, all that bronze and all that gold. You will have many workers, stonecutters, masons, carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen beyond number. Now, Solomon, begin the work, and the Lord be with you. <laughs> are you ready? Can I ask you, are you ready to start today on what God, the exciting call of God in your life? I hope you are. I hope you are. Never forget I was... 26, 7, I think, driving down Hercules, about to pull onto 54. I already had, uh, was working at a really awesome accounting firm. I had a good career, and God's calling fell on me so strong. Right there as I was driving, I began to cry. I said, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do. I'll do it, God, whatever you want me to do. 
And from that point forward, man, I just got more and more and more serious with God. And God got more and more serious with me. Don't wait any longer. Now is the appointed time. Go with God 100%. 100%. So look at this. And Haggai, um, I never know if it's Haggai or Haggai. But anyways, Haggai, a book in the Bible, 219. God's telling Israel, hey, it's time to build the temple. Many, many years after Solomon, the temple had gotten destroyed and now was being built a second time. And Haggai, who was the preacher of that day and age, a prophet, God told him to tell the Israelites, as soon as you start building the temple, from that day forward, you will be blessed. As soon as you start doing what God has called you to do, you're going to notice God's blessings in your life in ways that you haven't experienced before. Start today. Don't procrastinate anymore. Verse 17 uh, through 19, it's the last, it's the last set of verses. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to help his son Solomon. <laughs> Here's this old king, elderly king. He's saying, all right, guys, you're going to have to help my son. He's young. He's inexperienced. And he said to them, is not the Lord your God with you? He wasn't just saying he's with Solomon. Look, he's with all of us. And has, not, he, has he not granted you rest on every side? Look, you're not in battles anymore. You're not worried about siege. You're not being worried about death. For he has given you the inhabitants of the land into your hands, and the land is subject to the Lord and to his people. Now, devote your heart and your soul to seeking the Lord your God. Seek him, man. Seek him. I've been seeking God harder than I've ever sought him before. Is it hard to find God? No. It's my stinking distractions that are hard to get through. I'm not pressing into God. No, I'm pressing through my blasted distractions to get to God. It's me that's the problem. God is easy to find. But it's our distractions that presents the problem. So I'm pressing through my distractions every morning as I seek God. And you can and should as well too. Press through until you find God every day. But he says, now devote your heart, your soul to seeking the Lord your God. Begin to build the sanctuary of the Lord your God, your calling, whatever it is, so that you may bring the Ark of the Covenant, that was a symbol of God's presence, and bring the sacred articles belonging to the Lord into the temple that it may be built for the name of the Lord. Now listen to this. This is my last comment, all right? Listen carefully just to summarize. To be blessed and to stop failing, make a place for God's presence in your life. Make a place. Create a space in your heart. If there was a little pie chart of how much of your thoughts were on God, would it be a little sliver or would it be a big piece of the pie? Make room in your thoughts for Jesus. And you're going to be blessed. And seek him with all of your heart. With all your heart. Let's pray.